This April and May as a church, we're going through the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 6. And we're going through it verse by verse, but the Lord's Prayer deserves so much time because it's probably the most spoken prayer in the history of the Christian faith. And on top of that, it might even be some of the most spoken words in all of human history. And so it deserves our time and attention as we go verse by verse. And this morning, we just have Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. And on the one hand, that verse is just a little simple prayer that God would provide for us every day, that he would feed us. But on the other hand, it carries the weight of the grand story of scripture that all throughout the story of scripture, the people of God are looking to have their physical needs met by God. And ultimately he meets those physical needs, but he ends up meeting those, their spiritual needs as well. And that's what we're going to look to see this morning as well, that God will both meet our physical needs, but also our spiritual needs. So I have three points for us this morning as we look at Matthew chapter six, verse 11. First one, God gives daily gifts. Secondly, we forget the giver. And then lastly, the giver becomes the gift. So God gives daily gifts. We forget the giver and the giver becomes the gift. Let me jump in and pray for us as we begin. God, speak through the words of your son, Jesus, as we look to him to teach us how to pray this morning. Help us to grow closer to you. We pray all these things in Jesus name. Amen. Now our verse reads, give us this day our daily bread. And right away, that would have set off some alarm bells for Matthew's original, very Jewish audience. You see, if you go back to the book of Exodus, which we've been preaching on for the last several months, you know that the people of Israel were in the wilderness. They were in a place where there was no food. There's just miles and miles of sand and rocks. And the wilderness was an incredibly inhospitable place. And so when they, when Matthew's original audience heard, give us this day, our daily bread, they would have thought of Exodus chapter 16. And you can go back and read it if you like, but here's what happens in Exodus chapter 16. The people are grumbling. They're groaning. They're so hungry and they're complaining. They're complaining to Moses and they're hungry and they just want to be back in slavery. And they want to be back in slavery, not because they want to work for the Egyptians again and to be enslaved to Pharaoh, but they want to be back in slavery because they look at slavery as this time where they had these awesome pots of meat and all the bread they could want. And now they're in the wilderness and they don't have any of that. And so what we end up seeing though in Exodus chapter 16 is every morning when they wake up, they go out and they see this flaky bread-like substance all across the ground. And they say, what is it? And in the Hebrew for what is it is manna. And so they ask, what is it? And they end up collecting all this manna and they have just enough for the day. And they can't collect extra because if they do, it'll get moldy. And by the time the sun comes all the way up, it's all melted away. So God provides for the people of Israel their daily bread. That's what happens. So here's the point. Jesus is the new Moses. That's a theme we see all through the book of Matthew, but Jesus is the new Moses. And what we realize is when Jesus tells us to pray for our daily bread in the Lord's prayer, 
Jesus is comparing us, our, the audience now, to the Israelites because we're also a people in the wilderness. I've preached a sermon to this similar before, but as we're in the wilderness, we realize that as Christians trying to follow Jesus, we've been saved from slavery to sin. We've been saved from the slavery to sin and to death, but we aren't yet in the new heavens and the new earth yet. Life isn't all good and perfect. We always are wanting things to be a little bit different or maybe a lot different. So we find ourselves as Christians in this in-between. We're, we're not in the wilderness anymore. I mean, we're not in slavery anymore. We're not enslaved, but we're also not in the promised land anymore. So we're in the wilderness and the wilderness, if we're honest, is a really hard place to be because the wilderness is a place where we need to trust God. The wilderness is a place where we need to trust God. And, and the funny little qualifier in our prayer this morning that you almost might jump right past. Give us this day our daily bread. And why daily? Here's what I want to say, because when we need God to give us our daily bread, we need to depend on him. If you, if you look to someone for something daily, then you actually are dependent on them. Rather than having this independence from God and his gifts, what Jesus is encouraging us to ask God for is for daily bread. He's encouraging us to depend on God daily. Because here's the promise of scripture that I want you to test out. Here's the promise of scripture that I want you to test out. That if you trust in God to provide for you daily, he'll show up. He'll show up and you'll get that intimacy with him that you always wanted. Because you know what's a barrier to intimacy with God? A barrier to intimacy with God is having so much stuff in your life, having so many of God's gifts in your life that you totally are full, that you're full and you don't need anything else. And you don't depend on God because you've filled your life with so many things and so many of his gifts that you don't need to depend on him. That's the Christianity that many of us are used to. But what Jesus is offering us this morning, he's saying daily dependence produces intimacy with God. If you're, if you're listening to this sermon right now, you at least have a little bit of a desire for maybe a more personal connection with the God of the universe who created everything, or you're at least interested in that. And what Jesus is offering us this morning is, is that intimacy with God but he's saying that it comes through daily dependence. We want it to come through something else often, but he's saying, if you depend on God every day, that's how you'll feel close to him. That's how you'll have that relationship with him that you desire. And so I'm here to tell you, think about the most intimate, one of the most intimate relationships we have as humans, the relationship between a child and a parent. Now, why? Does a child feel so close to their parent? Because they depend on them for everything. That's the nature of being a little child. You depend on your parents for everything. And when, when we think about the Christian life, we never grow up. That's the nature of the Christian life, that we are always the children and he's always the father. And that's actually good news. 
Because if you think that you're an adult and you think, oh, I'm providing for myself in every single way and I have things all figured out. If you think you're an adult, you're actually an orphan. You're an orphan because there's going to be a day when you can't provide for yourself and you can't figure everything out and you aren't able to provide daily bread for yourself day in and day out. And that's when, that's when you'll realize that you're not an adult, you're an orphan. But the good news is that's also when, think about Luke 15, when the lost son comes home to his father. If that's you right now and you don't know Jesus and you realize I've been trying to depend on myself for my daily bread every single day and I'm tired of it. Well, if that's you, know that the father is still waiting for you to come home and he's waiting with open arms. Come home to depend on your father because daily dependence produces intimacy. Daily dependence on God produces intimacy with God. So God gives daily gifts. That's point number one. Number two, we often forget the giver. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're praying that God would give us gifts. But often, if we're honest, we realize the moment we receive those gifts, sometimes we totally forget that they're from God. Think about one of the best gifts you've ever gotten from someone. For me, it was when I was in high school, I was really into cross-country skiing and my older brother got me these awesome Rudy Project sunglasses. And he was in college and so I wasn't even expecting him to get me a birthday gift. He got me these awesome Rudy Project sunglasses. They were so cool. They were like all the rage in the cross-country ski world, which isn't saying much, but I thought they were super cool. And so he gets me these sunglasses and I was floored. I was so thankful to him. and. I just appreciated it so much. Well, as you think about an awesome gift that you got, notice what I did when I told the story of the awesome gift I got. I named the person who gave me the gift. Because here's how it works when we receive gifts. What we do is we attribute them to someone and we're thankful to someone for it. And here's what I want to say. You actually enjoy the gift more when you appreciate and are thankful to the person who gave it to you. As you think about an awesome gift that you got, I almost guarantee that you remember who gave that gift to you. And you receiving that gift actually, and being thankful for it, actually increases the intimacy and closeness that you feel with the person you received it from. So let's bring this back to our prayer this morning. Give us this day our daily bread. Well, when God gives us our daily bread, when God provides for us day in and day out, if we don't forget that he's the one who's providing for us, if we, if we start to create a practice of gratitude in our lives, we're going to end up feeling more intimate and closer to God because of that. So, all of us, we want more intimacy and more closeness with God. But often we spend our days receiving good gifts from him, like relationships and hobbies and careers and money and food, all these good gifts that God gives us. 
We receive all of them, but then in an instant, we end up attributing our career to ourselves. We attribute our relationship to someone else. We attribute how much we might love food or our hobby just to dumb luck or the universe. We end up separating the gifts from the giver. And when we do that, we end up not appreciating the gifts as much as we would if we were thankful to God for them. God is the one who gives all these gifts. And so if we practice gratitude and are thankful to him and don't forget about him in this, then here's what's going to happen. We're going to have that closeness with God. Psychologists have seen this all over the place, that gratitude equals happiness. And while psychologists don't necessarily always know that God is the one who we're supposed to be thankful to, they realize that if you practice thankfulness, you end up being a happier person because you appreciate the things in your life more. And this is just a scriptural principle that if we receive God's good gifts and give thanks to him, then we end up being way happier and we end up feeling way closer to God because who should that gratitude be directed towards? It should be directed towards God, who is the giver of all good gifts. So sometimes we forget the giver, but the way we don't forget him is by daily giving thanks for the bread and the other gifts that he gives. And so lastly, the giver becomes the gift. God had a solution to the fact that his people forgot about him. His people worshiped other gods. His people broke their covenant. And when we say his people, we mean the Israelites who are kind of the background of this story, but we also mean ourselves. We worship other gods. We don't trust him. We break our covenant. And so what's God's solution to that? His solution to that is to become the gift himself. So when we mess up, when we worship his gifts instead of worshiping him, when we don't give thanks for his gifts, his idea of how to solve that is to become the gift himself. So the gift giver becomes the gift. That's the story of scripture. So when we forget the giver and only want his gifts, he decides to do something even more radical, to become a gift himself, to enter into our broken and sinful world. Here's how the author of Hebrew puts it. The author of Hebrew says, he became like us so that he could save us. So Jesus is the ultimate gift. The gift giver becomes the gift. And what we see in the person of Jesus is God's gifts and God's goodness all in the face of Jesus. And here's the crazy cool thing. When we, when we pray this prayer, give us this daily bread. Here's what it says in John 6 verses 47 and following. If you have a Bible close to you, you can pull open to it. John 6 verses 47 to 51. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that, came down, that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. When the gift giver becomes the gift, 
What does he call himself? Daily bread. And what do we say when we take communion, when we take the Lord's Supper? Uh, we, we pick up the bread and we break it and we say, this is my body broken for you because that's what Jesus said on the night before he was betrayed. So Jesus is God's daily bread who was broken for us. And that brokenness refers to Jesus dying on the cross because Jesus paid this price to become the gift. It cost him something. It wasn't like any other of God's gifts. The gift of Jesus becoming our daily bread that would offer life broken for us cost him everything. And this is what we celebrate in the Lord's Supper, that Jesus, his body, the bread of life was broken for us to pay the price of our sin, to take on the judgment that we deserve. And so how do we have hearts that receive Jesus as our daily bread? How do we have hearts that receive God as not only the gift giver, but the gift himself. When we're commanded to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Those are the two things we ought to remember. We ought to first remember that the food that's right in front of us is God's good gift. But we also ought to remember that Jesus is our bread of life. And that God didn't just solve our physical need, the fact that we're hungry right now, but he solves our greatest spiritual need. The fact that there's evil in our hearts and we're going to die, he solves that with the bread of life. So here's a little closing challenge that I'd love for you to do with me. I'd love to do this with all of you. And that's to pray the Lord's Prayer over one of your meals each day. We often pray before meals and sometimes we don't really know what to pray. And so try just for a season praying the Lord's prayer. It's short, it's sweet, it, and it teaches us about who the gift giver is and who the gift is. And when you come to that little section of give us this day, our daily bread, first, first think about how good the food you're about to eat is. Think about how it is a gift and it's awesome. Whatever it is, chicken pot pie, maybe you're just eating cookies. I don't know. That's what I had for dinner last night, like six cookies. Think about how good that is. But then think about how Jesus is your daily bread and he provides eternal life. Because as we pray, give us this day our daily bread, it teaches us to receive God's gifts. And when we receive them in thankfulness, and in gratitude for who the gift giver is, we end up feeling so much closer to God. When we end up orienting and understanding what the gift really is, how good it is, but how it points to Jesus and how good he is, that's how daily dependence produces intimacy with God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.